Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with Joel. Joel. Yeah. I'm here uh, with Jared. Yeah, I'm, I'm kinda, here with Jared. I'm kind of done with, you know, trying to try and come up with a funny name with for you With a clever every week. name for me? Yeah. It just it became daunting, you know? Yeah, it's a lot. I think we're, we're on to bigger and better things. Let's move on. Let's freshen it up. Let's take on the next frontier uh we have a busy day today around the church we do We're setting up for rooted rooted um apparently it's a gathering for women it is a gathering they just they they get together and stand around i guess do their thing i don't know what they do yeah they do something they do something it's it's a popular it's popular very, event. They, they got like well, i mean i think the numbers are getting up in the 500 or High force. Close, yeah. It was 440 a decent a while lot. ago. And it's, yeah, it's probably creeping up to five. Yeah. They're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to go to like a service in the main auditorium and then they're going to spend time outside, I guess. Sorry, this is yours. Doing things that are exciting. <laughs> yeah, the weather's looking good. Joy, yeah. It's beautiful right now. It's, it's um, so cool in the yeah. morning. It's, I got a, cold last night. It's a little taste of fall. Did you did you get did you feel it last night when you're in bed? No. Yeah. So I I have my um, HVAC whatever set for like it changes throughout the day. Yeah. Gets cooler at night. So I don't know. It's probably set for like sixty eight at night. It starts changing at like seven or something. Yeah. Slowly. And man, last night it was like 61, maybe 58 degrees, I think. That's wow. And I felt it. I had to go yeah. get, I had to get an extra blankie. Do you do windows open? No. No. We're full air conditioning. Yeah, we are too. Never windows open. Too many allergies in uh, our house. I feel that. Mm -hmm. I just do don't it. like humidity. You know, right. That usually comes in. That's part of it too. You do anything fun this morning? You you did you did a workout, right? I worked out this morning and yeah, I mean feeling great. I feel good. Yeah. Not great. I'm tired. How can we get you to great? I am in a great mental and emotional state. Physically, I feel fine. <laughs> I'm sore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh there's there's a funny thing that I tell all new dads. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you're going to lose a lot of sleep when you have your baby. But I just tell them that from this point forward, you're going to feel tired for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's, so just get used to it. Well, I would say that, that that is true, almost 100% true, but you're not tired like that for the rest of your life. I've come through the season now where we have a nine-year-old you know, all of our kids officially this week shower all on their own. They do it all. All, all by themselves. That's nice. Redding has her own shower. The boys share a shower. Now they all used to shower in our room. And then Kellen left, but Jet and Redding stayed. And then, I don't know, sometime last year, Jet left and he showers by, you know, in their little, they have like a Jack and Jill yeah. bathroom and they shower. And then Redding has her own shower. And, and like this week, she like goes upstairs and does her own thing in her own room. And so it's like, 
we're at the stage now where we go to sleep. I get in bed at like nine, nine thirty, and I'm like texting the kids. I'm like, put your phone downstairs and come give me a hug. Yeah. <laughs> and they come in and put me to bed. <laughs> Uh, That's um, so funny. So, but what I mean is like, I, I guess, yeah, that doesn't make the point of, it sounds like I'm tired, but I'm not tired anymore from them keeping me All up. the little things. No. You gotta uh, do with them. No, I'm tired for, because I get up early or whatever and I'm ready to go to bed. I'm getting old, but it's not, it's not, I feel great. I don't feel that type of like sleep deprived, tired. Yeah. And that sleep deprived, lacking sleep is... Uh, uh, I heard Matt Frazier, who is, he won the CrossFit games like four years in a row. He's one of the fittest humans to ever live. And, you know, those people, if you know anything about CrossFit, they do such intense workouts. Sometimes they'll yeah, work out twice a day, hours. And, you know, his biggest thing is sleep. He says if if sleep was a pill, it'd be the number one selling drug in the world. Like people don't understand the value of it, how much you need, yeah. and if you get it, how much it helps. So when you don't get sleep, the difference of an hour, and you, we feel this every year when daylight saving comes around, yeah, right. And you and you you change an hour, and like your kids are a mess. Oh, for sure. I feel tired from a, from an hour change in that funky thing. It's just like whatever jet lag or any of that stuff. I also heard about sleep that if you don't get enough sleep, your brain doesn't catalog everything that night that you mm. did the day before. Mm. So people that don't sleep enough struggle with, with memory. memory loss. Yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. All right, we have to take a quick break for our sponsor. Yep, yep. Today's sponsor like we were going along there. <laughs> is eBay. Wow. So, Jewel, there's probably been a few times in your life where you've dropped your phone, dropped your tablet, got a big old scratch, uh, you know, scratch, crack yep. in your screen, mm -hmm. had to take it in, get it replaced, you know. Once or twice. It's Mine not fun. or someone, someone in the house. You know, this day and age, we're, we have to use screens all the time. Right. Well, that's where eBay comes in. So, uh, if your name is John McCambridge, for example, mm -hmm. and you sit on your laptop, Get a nice sit, big, sit on yeah, it. Yeah, sit on it. That's like the opposite of what it was designed for. Yeah, it's not a it's not a cushion. You're supposed to put it on your lap. Yeah, it's supposed to be above that area. <laughs> uh, you can get on eBay and pick up a replacement screen for a fraction of the cost. Wow. Is it legit? Legit. OEM. Used. Used. Refurbished. Like new condition. Like new. Yeah. How does that work? They take them off laptops and sell them. Oh. So someone stole it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so if you use the code John McCambridge at checkout, okay. you'll get 10% added to your order that wow. helps cover the cost of John's new screen. Yep. <laughs> A little insight there into Jared's uh, running uh, side work here at the church. Fixing a hundred other things to do. Yeah. And then he has to get the did you have you had to get out the little miniature screwdrivers? Yes. The screws were like two millimeters small. <laughs> the screwdriver that like when you're a kid, the only time you ever saw anything like that was for glasses. Yeah. Now you got to, do you got have a like pack. a, do you have a little handy screwdriver? Yeah, I got it right here. It's Like a little satchel? Oh yeah, like you're ready for it. Yeah, oh my thing. goodness. Look at that. Is that all screwdrivers? Yeah. 
home. Is it all metric it? or what in the world? That is that's awesome. It's fancy. I bet you got that on eBay. Uh, eBay Amazon. probably Amazon <laughs> yeah. most likely, but Amazon. you know I still shop on eBay. Yeah. Do you really still shop on eBay? When it's something that doesn't really matter and I want it cheap, then eBay usually has the best price. You know, I, I remember when eBay got big, whatever, 2005, 2006 is when it was really... Well, it was one of the only things. Yeah, it was like time. the only thing. you. It was like shopping online for yeah. sure. But like, I just never felt like, I never felt... It always felt like, you know, Western Union and yeah. transferring. It was just weird. I just never felt safe doing it. And I think one time I tried to do something actually related to a laptop. I think I tried to buy a laptop. Yeah, I probably I wouldn't. Scammed. I, I wouldn't go with an item Well, that like was that, 2005. You know? Anyway. but uh, it's, it's changed. It's a new, what, it's a what, new world. What is the, what, what's, what, why do I go to eBay instead of anywhere? What What's the point? If you need things that don't really matter that much, like a, a wire or... Like a random thing? Yeah, stuff or more that like, they specialty can't items? screw up and that can't break in shipping. Like, is that where some people do their, like... Um, my son is really into, like, um, shoes. Like, you know... Yeah, like, shoes... Like it's really expensive, big expensive like eBay. you know like the pandas that were really big there's also platforms specifically for shoes though right yeah yeah stock x yeah that type of thing yep yeah see that's what i don't know ebay kind of yeah they've fallen off yeah uh so um this week was the last week of who are you wearing I wanted to ask, what do you think was going through the disciples' heads when they realized what Jesus was about to do in washing their feet? I think that it was, I think they were confused. And I think that they felt something about it felt inappropriate. Yeah. Like something was wrong. And I think that the moment probably passed and then in retrospect, it became an epic memory yeah. that... How do you think that affected them afterwards? Yeah, I, you know, I was actually... Um, it's funny, I talked about I talked about washing of the feet and... You know, I really hadn't even planned about talking about that. It's just, it was close to the passage. Yeah. It's contextual for what I was talking about. And it's funny, Andy Stanley, I saw, he he talked about it this week too. And and we kind of talked about some similar things. Um, he, he said some things that I didn't say. I said some things that he didn't say. One of the things he said that I thought was really great is the nature of, and I've, I've taught this before way back, but these types of meals that they would have these upper room meals or the, uh, the kind of the last supper meal, you know, you have the, I think it's Da Vinci's last supper. Isn't that the famous painting? And it kind of shows this like rectangular long table. And that's not the way that the tables were. They were actually like almost kind of like half moon round and they were lower to the ground the way you might think of, you know, in your mind of if you like a Japanese, more Asian Asian type, type of thing lower to the ground and the way that they would sit on them is they kind of put an elbow up on the table and then like 
their feet would be out to the back. So, you know, when Jesus washes their feet, they're like dining at the table and Jesus did all these things to make sure that no one else could wash their feet. There were no other servants there. And then when he took off, takes off his rabbinical robe and then puts on the towel that represents servanthood, it's like Jesus is not just like walking around a table. They're all dining at this table with their feet out and he's behind them out of sight on the on his knees washing their feet yeah and it's like i think it would just be really confusing yeah i think it would be probably a little embarrassing embarrassing like why are we letting him do that and and then some of them try to stop him you know and then uh later when authors would retell the gospel narratives multiple ways and they would say that Jesus said, love your enemies. Like that wasn't just like a, that wasn't an ethereal idea because Judas is there who's already made the plan to betray him and Jesus washes his feet just like the rest of them. Yeah. And so it's like, Jesus really gives an example of humility and the kind of the fabric of what humanity is supposed to do and what it's made of and what it's for. And that's what changed the world. So I think the impact that it had on them was, I think at first it was confusing because they weren't oriented right. And then once he rose from the dead, called them back to a meal and sent them out, I think it became clear that I think that if someone, I think that if someone did that to you and whatever your, however you can conceptualize that in your modern context, whatever that might be, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty weird. It would come off really weird. It's hard. To, it's hard to find an actual, you know, I mean, maybe if like a diplomat came into town or, I don't know. Yeah, if like the president was doing your dishes I or guess. something. I don't know if that's it. I mean, it's like, maybe if you were like, I don't know, the captain of the team and and then you did something that all the freshmen do. I don't know. There's stuff like that where it's like leadership becomes the inverted pyramid and, you know, it's like the lower, the bottom of the pyramid is really where the leaders are serving up. And yeah. whenever you do that, you get like a glimpse of what Jesus is up to. But I think that at a heart level, if Jesus washed your feet and he washed, and so let's say you're, you're John, he washes Peter's feet. So he knows Peter then denies him. He washes Judas's feet. And, and of course, John retells that story. And then Jesus dies and is, you know, resurrected and comes and shows himself. And, and he's the new, he's the author of new creation. He's the beginning of new humanity. He's the, he's, he's the new, new Adam, right? The second yeah. Adam, the first day of the week, this is the beginning of new creation. And the King is here and humanity's, humanity's ultimate trajectory has been brought into full view with the person of Christ. 
I think that if you take those two ideas and you put them together, just conceptually, it's remarkable. A resurrected king and then the ascension because the the disciples are there in Acts when he ascends, right? And it's almost like yep. he's glorified to this throne. And, and, and then you remember the washing of the feet and you remember the riding in on a donkey and you remember all these experiences and you start to piece all that together. I think that, you know, you would just be so fixated on the person that did all those things. You would, I don't even know. It'd be like a shield for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's like, I met him. He washed my feet. He transcended, you know, he, uh, or he had the, uh, um, uh, what's, uh, he transformed, right? When he, what's the name of that? Transconfigured. Transconfiguration. He kind of, you know, showed us as that happened. And he had all these conversations and he walked on water and he, did all this stuff. And I just think you would, you know, you would be, it'd be it. It'd be done. You couldn't talk somebody out of talking about that person. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think when you, and then I think that like, like the washing of the feet, the resurrection all within like a five day, four, four day period is just like overwhelming. And it would, it would flip it would reorient you about what it means to be a human and what power is about, what life is about, and what it means to to love. And uh, I think that's what we all need. I think we. I think that's why at first it's confusing, and then it becomes clear because it, whenever we're we're being oriented yeah. to something, it's confusing. Yeah, like when I, you're in the trench, when you you're when you're trying to figure it out. It's just, it's like, a, you know, when you learned like rules for math equations and you're like, I don't get this yet. You're in it. But then eventually it's like, ah, I get it. Yeah. You know, and, and it snaps. And, uh, you know, I, like I took my son to his uh, seventh grade middle school orientation, new building, new rooms, new, new approach to school. You have like eight teachers instead of one or two and you're moving classrooms and you have a locker and you have like, I mean, it's, orientation and you walk in and and you do you remember when you went to high school for the first time or middle school and like the building you know seems huge and you're just like i don't know where i am and now you look back on that building and you're like it's like you go there's like a square yeah but you at the time it was so big you didn't know if you'd be able to do it yeah big and new and Mm -hmm. then it becomes clear and it's like and then you can you know you really understand it you could you could draw it and so I think like that moment of of him washing feet, it became it became the identity of the church. And it was so clear once he resurrected that, you know, it's like they could just draw it out on a map and be like, I'm telling you, like this is, and you're just captivated and you understand it. And I think that it takes a long time for us to understand that now like hearing it so that's one of the one of the remarkable things about the the you know the new testament is just from a literary perspective it's 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 saying things and it is 
conveying things that are absolutely like mind numbing when you take the time to consider them in their context. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're just, they're almost too wild to be true. And, you know, it becomes this kind of vanilla thing over the years. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. But like, that's, I mean, that's like, you know, it's, that's like saying, that's like saying to somebody, you know, there was this guy one time who, he was sick and he had a, you know, 105 degree fever, but he still scored 60 points in a game, like the fever game for Michael Jordan or whatever. Yeah. And that, it's like taking taking his whole career and life and like minimize, reducing yeah, it down to this one thing. Yeah. And, and then it's so easy to dismiss that. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, everybody, a, a squirrel finds a nut, you know, yeah. a, a blind squirrel finds it. There it is, whatever you did it one time, big deal. But it's like, imagine if that's all that we ever said about him. We wouldn't think that much of him. Yeah. But it's like, when we look at the life of Christ and all of the pieces from the, the Old Testament narrative and the fulfillment of those scriptures to the context to what he did and what he said— and you string it all together. It's it's just absolutely. It it is a daunting force, and most people who seek it out and try to look into it um, are are like, you know, radically changed because of the implications of the text. Yeah, even even just true. there's historical validity to them, uh, the texts, and so they hold their weight in ter- water in terms of of being accurate and being a historical uh, document that, you know, stands the test of time. And then once you get past that and you look at what it actually means and what the authors were saying, it's, it's amazing. And it's just a, it's just a book that's 2000 years old. So it's crazy. But. So you, um, you're talking about serotonin. Yeah. And um, that it has an actual physiological effect on our bodies, mm-hmm. which I find all of that incredibly interesting, fascinating. Yeah. There's a really good book um, that talks about all the, those different chemicals and how they have um, great effects on us. Mm-hmm. It's called Eat Leaders Eat Last. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it interesting that those chemicals and how our body best deploys them is directly in line with living how God wants yeah. us to live. It is. And, and, um, that's, it's a mystery. Like yeah. it's, it's it, because we know that we need God in order to live the way we were supposed to live. And when, and then when we get God, things happen that are so, human and part of the natural order. And obviously, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, people, people experience the the common grace of God every single day, you know, like whether they know God or not, yeah. and they're like having babies and having successes and feeling serotonin and stuff like that. But to, to put it all in line and see how these two things are connected is, um, is pretty amazing. Yeah, you know. it's like without having peace that God gives us, our mm-hmm. cortisol levels 
Right. Rays, yep. which messes know, us up. Does a tremendous amount of damage. Damage. Um, if we are living for ourselves, mm-hmm. we'll do things that throw our dopamine like off the charts, mm-hmm. which is destructive in nature. I I find what's interesting in culture right now is that people we've been in like kind of the age of enlightenment in the age of science and the natural order of things. Science has done everything it can, you know, to rid faith. Now science is, I would say relatively more neutral in it. it yeah. It's testing and that. saying that there's, you know, based upon what it can see and can't see that there's, there's a great, you know, ration, rationality behind the existence of God and faith and all these, you know, these things that we find in the universe and the way the body works and all that. Um, but what I fi- have found interesting is while people have tried to use science to get rid of God, I think that it's a really interesting thing to not use science to bring God into the picture. And I think that's where people get caught. It's like, well, we don't need God. And if we just do this and just do this and just do this, then we'll still be happy. Okay. Well, what if you do it your way, whatever that is, your life, your relationships, your disciplines, your habits, what if you do it your way? And we find even family structure, you know, mom and dad in the household. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, the, the argument about, you know, gay marriage, right? The argument is that, well, as long as the two, the two people are happy and they're, you know, raising the kid and all that stuff and everything is safe, then why shouldn't we let them if they're just happy? And it's like, I understand that. And I'm not, I'm not out to like tell people who aren't followers of Christ what to do. And I have friends who are gay and I don't have, I don't have like a, you know, like I don't have a bone to pick with this issue in particular, but I'm bringing it up as an example um, of all types of issues that what, what if they find out over time that a classic family system scientifically is way more healthy for humanity? Yeah. That's you know, a biblical, a biblical picture, right? Mom, dad, and the kids, and, and it's, it's old school. And I don't even go this way because even, even go, go, go to even more old school ideas of dad, works mom stays home and raise kids now, my wife works so so i'm not saying i'm not again don't 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 at me don't come at me with, <laughs> with you you know you don't believe in the, i i believe in women's ability to lead and calling to lead even in the church and preach and so i am not saying that women proverbs 31 go read about what whatever i i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that what if in the nature and the speed of the world there are things that even as we've evolved in some of our beliefs, we go actually the more classic view of the interpretation of the scriptures scientifically shows us that it's better to do it God's way. Just pick any number of issues, right? I've mentioned two and and, and one that I, you know, I, I don't even fully, you know, wrap my mind around. So, it's interesting, right? It's like if science shows up and says it's says it's better, I think then people will go, yeah, but yeah, but 
you know, we're yeah. not going to do it that way. Cause it's really, really what we want. I've heard one of the, I don't remember who it was, but there's two guys that are like one of the, they're, they're some of the greatest apologetics. They go to uh, teachers and leaders and this guy, he goes to uh, c- campuses all over and he asks this question. He says, okay, forget about proving whether or not Christianity is true or real or the Bible. If it was all true and I could say it's true and you knew scientifically, objectively, it's true. Would you believe it then? And most of the time, you know what people say? Probably no. No. Yeah. Or even maybe the question is, uh, maybe the question is actually more like, if it's all true and it's proven, objective, objective, whatever, uh, would you then become a follower of Jesus? And most of the time the answer is no. And so it's like people, we we want to do things our own way are we 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 battle against god naturally sometimes we don't even know we are and then when we're faced with it and we have to pick this way or that and we realize i'm not picking god even if we are convinced scientifically that we should pick god cuz it's right yeah. Regardless of what we think and feel, it's right. People still won't. And so I find that fascinating. Yeah. You know, to me, that's where it that's where that all goes, is it's like people, we want to do our own thing. And so then, you know, there's plenty of plenty of uh, obviously Calvinism, and I'm not a full Calvinist or anything, but there's a drawing of God that has to happen. People's hearts aren't gonna get changed unless the Holy Spirit moves and he does that through the church and in the church and the spirit and sovereignly. And, you know, you, you can't change somebody's heart. Only yeah. God can. We can, we plant the seeds. We can do what we do. And, yeah. and of course that, that is part of how God does it. No, no question. So it's not like, you know, our, our uh, words don't matter and, and all that, but wow. Anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just interesting that, we want our decisions more than we want the right thing. Right. It is. We do. We have a hard time humbling ourselves and opening opening ourselves up to correction and new new information and ideas and learning. And it's just, it's very hard to be humble. Yeah. Very easy to be filled with pride. And um, it's laughable in ways. I mean, the, the breath that we use to mock God with, he gives it to us every moment. It's just, it's a revelation. Yeah. And people really don't have is. it. They don't see it. So. Let's talk more about um, the church growing. So... Yeah, most new people that come to a church don't just wake up one day and they're like, "Hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to a church and, yeah. and see what it's about." Most new people come to a church because someone invited them, right? Or they know a Christian and they can see that they live differently, yeah. Or because they've experienced the generosity of a Christian or a group of Christians, you know, there's there's some kind of draw that mm-hmm. intrigues. Or uh, adding to that list is just there. There might be 
in Western culture, a general perception that church can be good yeah, or helpful. Yeah. So if you're suffering. Yeah. If you have a need. If you have a need, then, then you might, you might, um, Suddenly, once things get bad, you know, like Rick Warren said, sometimes God puts you on your back in order to get you to look up. Yeah. So, you know, people be in the hospital. That's very true. You know, it's like suddenly I'm, you know, praying. I remember there's a guy I know from the community who came to church one time and really smart guy and told me that he didn't really believe in Jesus' gospel. He believed in the social gospel and all this stuff and and that, uh, you know, he just didn't didn't want to. But then his kid fell and hurt themselves really bad, hurt their head. And uh, I hadn't seen him in years. He wasn't coming to the church, wasn't engaging in his faith. He called me and he was like, my kid's in the hospital and he's in a, he's in a coma. And uh, would you, would you come down and pray? And he was just weeping on the phone and he was saying things like, I told God, if he gets me out of this one, I'll never, you know, I'll never leave him again. I'll never stop going to church. I'll never stop. Da, 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 da. And he and so he was like praying and like the, that Sunday he's at church and his son woke up and was totally fine and everything was fine and and then you know a week later I didn't see him again. <laughs> you know and and but I mean people will turn to God. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm rambling. There's a. A little funny bit that I saw on a on a show about that where someone prays because they lost their keys or something. Yeah. And then they go and find them. They're like, oh, never mind, God, I've come. <laughs> right. Right. Uh so in that in that same um line of thinking, since people just don't like randomly wake up and decide to go to church, there there's always some other kind of input. What can we do as a church community? to be better at helping our church grow. Yeah, you know, church the, in general. Yeah. The, the, so this week I talked about how the center of the target for wearing Christ, who are you wearing, is genuine self-giving love, right? That's the model. That's what it looks like. And that means... We care about people. We love people. We shock people with the reality of our in, intentionality in their lives and and the meaning and and they get closer and when they get closer they're present they're they're uh, 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 pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And um, I talked about you know memorizing people's names and how you don't have an excuse and you have if you love people how are you going to not be good with names? Yeah. Important, you know, it's just like a one little way to go, man. This is not just like an idea. This is a daily commitment to to humans and love. Um, the church, the 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 New Testament letters are written to the church, which I think is an important um, thing to remember. That the you know that Paul is teaching the church to love one another, Christians to love Christians. So I think the first thing is that the community that we live in, in the church, in those who are part of the discipleship of Christ and, and, and have professed that and are living that, 
the way that we treat each other should be unique yeah. to the world. Definitely. And I think that like that alone, I mean, that's a whole series or that's a whole, that concept of, you know, it's like all, the church, what's the church known for? How does the church treat one another? How do we treat people who have messed up or how do we, where's the, the kind of, you know, love and grace and, and compassion that we have in our own family as, as followers of Christ. And so there's, there's a huge amount of room for growth there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I think, you know, when people see how we treat one another and how we talk and how we spend time together and, and I think they should go, that's different. Kind of like a family that's committed to Christ, you know, versus a family that's not. And you go, look at that family. Like they, you know, they, they stick out, you know, like the way that they treat one another and the way they respond to one another and their, their attitude about life and, and each other is, is different, you know, yeah. and in, in a surprisingly unassuming, um, approachable way. You know, I don't think that we're, we're not called to just impress people. You know, it's not like, oh, that's impressive. We're not, we're not called to just gain people's attention. Well, it's more of like, you notice a family like that and you're like, that is a really good family. Yeah. And, and it's not, and it's not because they look nice and necessarily, or that no. they, you know, have things or yeah. that they perform well. It's the way they treat one another. Yeah. And that's different. And you can have all those other things too, but it's different when, when you see that type of love manifested in a family. So I think the first thing is the way that the church treats one another um, has to change. And I mean, we could talk all day about what that means, like how we talk to one another, how we are in social media, how we, um, what we think about one another, how we pray for one another. I mean, Paul gives so many examples in the in his letters that he's praying for us. He tells the church, I'm praying for you. And how much do we pray for one another? How much do we wish wish well for each other? And, and, and are we burdened by the life and goodness and what God is up to in people's lives? I mean, that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, and he was in prison. And he's and in he's prison. Praying for and he's praying for all these people. other people. Yeah. And um I mean that's that's a giant um that's a giant lens shift for sure. That's a change when you go, man, what type of perspective do you have when you're in prison and you see a greater purpose. Yeah. And you have you have the ability to now Paul Paul was not like Mr always happy go lucky, you know, but he, yeah, he had his moments. Yeah. But he was, he had that definitely had that perspective and he wrote letters. I'm praying for you. You know, he just saw his whole life as this, this is on purpose. Like I'm, you know, if I'm in, uh, if, whatever, if I'm in chains for the gospel, the gospel's not in chains. And you know, if me being in here gets the word out and more people become followers then me being in here is better for that. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I think that's a big part of it. And then, you know, so I do believe that it's important that people hear the message of Christ, right? I mean, they need to. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And that's that's important. The thing, the thing that 
I find though is that most people around have heard a version. Now, maybe not the younger generation, so they do need to hear it. Yep. Um, and 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 I think there's different seasons of culture where just kind of the boldness of proclaiming the lordship or kingship of lands on a generation in a fresh way, you know, and they respond. It's just like the preaching or like your friend is bold with you and they just say like, do you know Jesus? And I think that that can land. And I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't ever do that. I think, I think there are times and places where that's important, but I, I sense mainly that when we interact with outsiders and people that that we need to take a genuine interest in their lives. And when we, when we do that and we build connections and relationships with people, then they get proximate enough to see the way we are. Yep. And um, I don't know. I, I find that it's like, I have a lot, I'm in a lot of, you know, I have church community. I have a small group. I have um, uh Obviously, I'm a pastor, so I'm, you know, a staff of people that are Christian and around that all the time. But then, you know, I go to the gym and, you know, our kids are in sports and we're around all kinds of different people and you play pickleball and there's all types of people there. And I find that being in a community that is part of the larger community and being there in such a way that you are available intentional, present in people's lives, memorizing people's names, saying their name again, remembering their birthday, being kind to them, um, being slow to speak and eager to listen yeah. and, and be a good listener, ask questions, be curious, uh, take a genuine interest in people's lives. I find that, you know, if you can find your home base, you know, you've got your, your family and you've got your work and you've got your hobbies and your other places. And if you can be consistent in some of those spaces, I, I find that just people eventually are drawn to God. Yeah. There's some kind of magnetism. To it, it just, it's, it's just life is really brutal. It's awful. And people need help. They need perspective. I've had people that I've been friends with casually for 10 years reach out to me after 10 years. I had someone this year reach out to me. Now, again, I'm a pastor, but I don't think that that makes a huge difference. No, I, I think, think I, I think that it gives me... In ways, it's a disadvantage because I, you know, what do you do? You're a pastor. Okay, all right, whatever that means to them, and you got to overcome that. Yeah. But if someone finds out you're into faith, and you know, you go to church and you love God, and they they generally appreciate you and spend time with you, but maybe they don't engage beyond an acquaintance or being friendly or being in the same circles with a hobby or whatever. I find that. So I, I had someone call me that after 10 years and it, you know, it was one of those calls. I've had it happen like three or four times in the past year. Um, I'm going through a divorce. My wife wants to leave me. I need help. We, can I talk to you? I haven't told anybody, you know, whatever it is. I lost my job. 
what would you, I can ask you a question about my kid, like just stuff that's like, like I just need something and some perspective. And uh, actually, I, my college roommate is another story. Wow. And he, we were at a Christian school, but there was three of us who were kind of, we were Christians and one of them was kind of, I'm not, I don't really believe. And he had a, a crisis that come up and, and he's like, he called me. And he's, and I, you know, we had gotten together recently over the past couple of years, but never like, never did he ever lean on me as like a source or a resource. It was like, I don't necessarily believe it. You believe it. You're cool. We're good. But like, I don't really that. And then, and then he calls me and he's like, I just, I, I knew I needed someone and I thought of you. And he asked wow. me and we had this whole Christian conversation about you know, something to do with his kid and his kid's life and what that looks like and family and all this stuff, man. And, uh, and so I don't know. I, I just think like, you know, God, God has called us to live as lights, you know, in, the strategically placed city in in the landscape across the map for the people who are in the valley and in the darkness and they can't find their way. And then, you know, you can imagine, right, being lost at sea and then you see a flare or you see a, a boat or yeah. you see a, you know, you see, oh, there's some smoke or, you know, imagine the, the hope of that. And, and we're supposed to be that for people. And I think the challenge is they don't know they're in trouble and they don't know they're lost at sea. But when they do, and they've got you and you you live a life that it humbly communicates a level of stability in what purpose and humanity is supposed to look like and be. It's intentional. It moves forward. It's not perfect, but it's it's consistent enough and, and it, 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 it has levity and it has sincerity and it has commitment and all these pieces that really are about being transformed in the likeness of Christ. I just think that you become, you become a, a refreshing oasis for people. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's, I think that's one of the ways, you know, I really do. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's really important too to just the classic answer is like as a pastor, you know, when we're in church, I learned this a long time ago. We don't make excuses. Now I don't make excuses even in public or whatever, but I don't, you know, I don't open up with preaching. Right. Obviously that, yeah. that doesn't tend to, it doesn't usually. Yeah, I mean, go, preaching, preaching is such a well. funny thing. Preaching is like a thing. So it's not, it's not really about the message. Anybody that just starts preaching about anything to you, you're just like, ugh. Yeah. It's like, dude, we're sitting at, we're having coffee. Like, what are you, why are you talking that way? And why are you, you know, that? And that's, just, that's, it's, it's, it's really more of just a context thing. You just don't preach when you're like talking with somebody. Yeah. You know, so when you're in the context to preach or communicate something with, you know, boldness and clarity and conviction, which church is one of those places, you know, a funeral, um, a wedding, um, when someone asks you what you think and they really want to know, whatever, maybe a maybe a post or a video where you're teaching something or sharing something, you got. I think you got to let it fly and share the truth and don't hold back. Yeah, 
But yeah, I feel like this was a really good episode. It was, man. I, 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 hey, felt great. Good. You're feeling great now. I'm feeling pretty good. Good. I still feel the same. I'm sore. I I think you're feeling great. You look great. (laughs) My legs are sore. All righty, we got to wrap this up. Uh, Straight from the pastor's mouth. If you have a friend that you think would really benefit from this last series we did, uh, will you please send them the YouTube playlist link and just share with them why you think it's important to listen to? Um, It was a great series, and I think it could be helpful for a lot of people. As always, we'll be here next week as we cover a new series. We're going to do a two-week series in the middle of September. Next week, I'm not speaking, but we'll still do a podcast and talk about all kinds of fun stuff. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you next time on The Rest. The Rest.